And the doctor came in and said, look, you know, you can have this birth defect. He has no skull opening and no sore spot, which allows the brain to grow and allow it to function normally. Mm-hmm. And because of this, you know, we believe that your son will eventually become brain dead. And we think he'll eventually, you know, have no brain function at all. So we think the best option for you and your husband would be to sign these papers over and to put him into a institution. Can you relate to any of these statements? I just feel so overwhelmed as a mom. No one understands or knows how I feel. I wish I had more time with my kids. I need a break from my kids. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing my best for my family, but I feel so judged and misunderstood. I'm never going to get through this. What if you could feel more understood and connected, happy and relaxed, confident and balanced, energized and fun, and maybe even burst out laughing? Girl, this book is just what you need. Mom of Six Dies Laughing, How to Ditch Overwhelm and Mom Guilt, Feel More Connected and Empowered, and Have More Fun. Six kids and 20 years in the pen, I mean parenting, I know what it's like to be in the trenches of motherhood. Believe me, I have seen it all. I use humor and true stories of the unexpected adventures of mom life to help you realize that you're not alone, you're not crazy, and you can throw mom guilt and judgment out the window and have more fun. So head over to imaginemom.com, that's with an E, not an I, imaginemom.com slash book today and pick up your copy. And don't forget to get 10 for your friends. Welcome to the Imagine Mom cast. This is your host, Elaine Kohanowitz. You're in the right place, Mom, if you're looking for real answers, real Jesus, and real fun. Hi, all. This is Elaine. I am so excited today to have Dorsey Ross with us. He is the founder of Dorsey Ross Ministries, and he speaks all over the country, telling his story and inspiring people. And that is why I wanted to have him on the show today. I'm so excited to have him. So Dorsey, welcome. Thank you, Elaine, so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I'm so glad because um, I'm like really intrigued by your story. I've only heard a little bit of it, so I'm excited to really dig in. And I think it's going to be super inspiring for all the moms out here. Um, especially for those that have, you know, maybe had to had a child that have had, you know, some challenges. I think it's going to be really, really a great story. So Dorsey's, uh, yeah, you for, let's start actually with right now, what you do, and then we'll kind of go back in time a little bit. So um, okay. tell us a little bit about your ministry. Yeah, I, I travel around. I've been traveling around now. Um, I forget, sometimes you forget what month you're in. And uh, <laughs> now, it, I just dawned on me yesterday, I think that it's 15 years now that I've been traveling around. You know, 15 years? Yeah, 15 wow. years. Wow, that's impressive. 15 years uh, traveling around, sharing my story, you know, of what God has done in my life and about, you know, how I grew up and, you know, what the obstacles and difficulties that I've had to face in my life and all those, you know, interesting and exciting things, you know, that I've had to deal with in my life. 
That's awesome. So you've been able to inspire a lot of people. Yes. That's cool. And so you and you make your living doing that, right? I do. Yeah, that's my that's my full time, you know, job. And I try to, you know, make a lot of cold calls and try to make, you know, try to get pastors to have me and to connect with me. And, you know, like this morning, I was having a pastor's meeting trying to network that way. And on Sunday morning, I'll be going to a church trying to network with him. And so that's how I, I do a lot of, you know, my networking and trying to get my, you know, obviously prayer and, you know, guidance by God help as well. That's awesome. You you sound like you don't slow down. You don't let anything stop you. No, definitely not. So tell us about um, you when you were born and what your parents uh, were told about your birth. Absolutely. My mom was 41. My dad was 45 when they had me. They had two older daughters when I was born. My oldest sister was 21. My middle sister was 16. And it, when my mom started to gain weight at her age, she, you know, was concerned. She was, mm. you know, worried about what was happening because this was back, you know, 45 years ago. Right. So they didn't have like the testing and the technology that they do today. Oh, so she didn't know even she was pregnant. Exactly. That's that's, <laughs> what, that's my point, and that's where I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at mm. is the fact that you know she thought that you know her um, assumption at the time was that she had maybe some type of tumor, you know, growing inside of her. Oh wow! And you know she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well. You know, thankfully, you don't have any type of tumor growing inside of you, but, you know, you do have, you know, a baby growing inside of you. Wow. <laughs> was she shocked? Yeah, I think I think she was pretty much shocked. You know, I I think, you know, I was what they would call, you know, the supply of the, of the family. <laughs> <laughs> How old was she? 41. Okay, okay. So still enough to have babies, but definitely getting up there. Yes. Definitely not expecting another baby. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> definitely not expecting another one. And um, you know, for you know, for several months you went to the doctor and you know, like I said, you know, they didn't have the technology and the testing that they do today to determine, you know, genetic defects and genetic, you know, abnormalities and whatnot. Oh, right, yeah. So there was nothing on, you know, on the radar to mm. tell my parents, hey, you know, there's something wrong with your baby growing inside of you. You know, what do you, like, almost like, what do you want to do? You know? Right, yeah. But today, you know, they would probably tell the parents, hey, your son's going to have, you know, aplet syndrome or your son's going to have, you know, cerebral palsy, you know, mm-hmm. whatnot. You know, do you want to abort? You know, right. when we have an abortion back then, they, that wasn't there an option. That's probably and good. <laughs> and yeah, it was. It was a good, it was a good thing. But um, when I was born, my because of my birth defect called aplet syndrome, my forehead was pushed out with my eyes and nose were pushed 
back and on my head mm. and my fingers and toes were fused together. I mean, I had no individual movement of them. Oh, wow. And the doctors rushed me off immediately to examine me. Normally, you know, when the baby's born, you know, the mother is able to at least hold the baby for a few minutes, you know, yeah, before yeah. being taken away. That wasn't even the case. Wow. My mom didn't know what was happening. Oh, wow. And a couple of hours later, the doctor grew me back in, and they, she still wasn't able to see me, um, but I was able to raise my hand. And she saw that my hand was and my finger were fused together. And she's like, well, you know, if that's the only thing wrong with him, then, you know, we'll we'll deal with it. You know, yeah. not realizing all the other, you know, situations that the doctor was about to tell her, you know, what was wrong with him. Wow. What was wrong with me. And the doctor came in and said, look, you know, you can have this birth defect. He has no skull opening and no soft spot, which allows the brain to grow and allow it to function normally. Mm-hmm. And because of this, you know, we believe that your son will eventually become brain dead. Oh, wow. And we think he'll eventually, you know, have no brain function at all. So we think the best option for you and your husband would be to sign these papers over and to put him into a institution. Really? Oh, wow. What year was that? 1977. Oh, wow. I was, bo- I was born on January 16th, 1977. We have, we're almost the same age. I was born on January 30th, 1977. Okay, there you That's go. That's cool. <laughs> so I don't know if it was immediately or, or what at the time, but my parents were both people of faith. You know, they grew up, they, you know, were going to church, believed in God, you know, accepting him as Lord and Savior. And I don't know if it, if, it would, if it was an immediate response or what, but eventually my parents said, no, we can't sign these papers. You know, right. this is a baby that God has given us. We're not going to give up on the child that God had, that God, that this is, you know, the child that God has given us will deal with it, you know, we'll deal with whatever the issues are that he has. And there was a nurse in the hospital where I was born in in Jamaica, New York, and somehow she overheard or knew about my story or whatnot, Mm -hmm. and she told my parents, look, you know, there's another hospital in, in New York City that's doing operations on babies like your son. Oh, wow. You know, you may want to take them, take him there and mm-hmm. see what, you know, see what they could tell you, you know. Right, yeah. And my parents did. And the doctors at that hospital said, you know, look, you know, we can do the operation to open the skull and to relieve, you know, the pressure on his brain. Uh-huh. He'll have to overcome a lot of difficulties and a lot of obstacles. But he'll he'll survive. Oh wow! So I had my first of many operations that six week of age to open the skull and to allow my brain to grow and allow it to function normally. 
Oh, wow. So they, so they gave, they gave your parents hope. Yeah, they did. I don't know if it became doctors or doctors later on in the years, but another, you know, another time the doctors, you know, said to my parents, you know, we don't think he'll he'll live past the age of 18. Uh Uh-huh. Well, look at you now. (laughs) And, you know, so growing up, you know, from six weeks to about five years old, I had about probably about, I'd say, about 10 operations. Oh, wow. And probably lasting up to eight to 10 hours at a time. Oh, my and gosh. Throughout my lifetime, up until about the age of 15 or 16, overall, I've had about 68 operations. Wow, 68? Yeah. Wow, so you spent a lot of time in the hospital. I did, yes. Did it become like almost like your second home? Pretty much, yeah. Was it always the same place? Like, did you know the people? And um, I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes I knew the people, sometimes I didn't. You know, it was more mm-hmm. like, I'm, I mean, the doctors I knew because it was always the same doctors that I went to see and the same doctors that would that would operate on me for the most part, at least okay. for the facial, you know, operations, but. As far as the nurses go and whatnot, I'm not sure, you yeah. know, how often or I knew them or whatnot. But the doctors, like, they, so they basically followed you along as you right. were out. Yes. And so you said you you had facial surgeries. So obviously you had the brain surgeries. And then right. you, was the facial surgeries just to make your face look, you know, more like other people's faces? Or was it because of the pressure of the brain and all that? I I think it was both. I think it was, you know maybe a little bit of both. Um, the doctors told my you know told me and told my parents that they would look they much like look at my dad and look at his face mm-hmm. and you know try to shape it and try to you know make it look almost like my dad almost look make my face mm-hmm. look like look like my dad you know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And how they did that was they would they would open up the skull from my ear to ear, mm-hmm. and then you know I don't I do too graphic, but you know they would operate that way to, you know, reshape the face and to shape the eyes and the nose and whatnot. How was it recovering from those surgeries? It was difficult at times. You know, it was difficult. There was you know times I was in the hospital probably, you know, a week or two. You know, I, I don't. I mean, that was when I was really young. I don't remember, you know, how long I was in the in the hospital for, but it yeah. was difficult at times, especially when I was, got older. I remember there were times, you know, probably multiple times when I was in school, you know, elementary school, mm-hmm. in high school, and junior high and high school, nothing, nothing that serious. But when I was in high in elementary school. I would have to have like a homeschool teacher come mm. to the house. Oh yeah. And, and to teach me and to, you know, help me to move along with what the kids in, in my grade were were learning at the right. same time. So that I didn't fall back too far in my learning and my education. So it seems like as far as like 
you you were able to learn just as fast as the other kids. Is that right? Um, I would say for the most part. I mean, they 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 um the te- well, the teaching or the testing that I did at times. There was a, a time at one point that I was diagnosed, you know, with a learning disability. Mm. And even in high school, well, uh, high school, I had, there was, you know, usually the, the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 grade. Uh-huh. But in the school that I went to, um, they did a, it was almost like a split class, split class of 7 and 8 grade. And I took that class again just that I can, you know, almost relearn what I learned in seventh. Yeah, yeah. Learn some of what I was learning in eighth grade. That way I could, you know, do better, I guess, do better in eighth grade as as well. I see, yeah. So you kind of had it twice in a way. Right, pretty much. So what, so, like, what was it like in school? I mean, did people make fun of you or was it tough? Well, I went to a school for people with disabilities. Oh. From fifth, uh, from the time I was five years old till when I graduated high school, I went to a school for people with disabilities. And So was and that actually pretty cool? Like, did you make a lot of good friends? I did make a lot of good friends. And, you know, people, you know, there's the one teacher that I still, you know, keep in touch with. Um, that was my elementary school teacher. And she'll ask me, you keep in touch with anybody from the school? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really don't. You know, I lost, you know, I mean, I did at one point. Some of my friends who I did, you know, she recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And so there's only really, you know, not that many people anymore, you know, that, you know, you keep in touch with in elementary school. I think, I think that goes for regular people that go to high, you know, elementary school and, and high school, you really don't keep in touch with those, those friends that you make that really. So true. Yeah. I don't really either. Sometimes I, I envy those people that, you know, have like had, you know, so many good friends from school, but I think it matters too. If you move away, I don't live near, you know, the place right. that I grew up. So, I mean, and speaking of that, like, did, so did you grow up in New York City or Pennsylvania? I grew, I grew up in Queens. For, you oh, know, oh I that's grew up right. In I remember that now. Um, and then I moved out in 2007, I moved out to um, Long Island after, okay. I came back, after I came back from going to school in Pennsylvania um, for my Bible college degree. I went to school at, at the uh, University of Valley, what is now the University of Valley Forge. Nice. And then I came, I came back, you know, home. And then in in November 2020, uh, we moved out to Pennsylvania. So, so I guess it's kind of cool. I guess I'm thinking because of just like like you know, you're my age, and like you said, there wasn't as much available, but like the school with disabilities, that was something that you had then, as you think that was because like you were in the city or like, cause not everybody, every place has a school for kids with disabilities, do they? Right. Yeah. That was, that, that school was created a long time ago, even before, you know, that school was, I want to say it was probably created in, in the late, uh, mid, mid to late, uh, mid, yeah, mid to late 60s. Mm by the, the 
by the founder, Dr. Henry uh, Fiscardi, who oh. also had a disability as well. Oh. And he created the school, but he also, before that, he even created a, a, um, a, a center for people with disabilities to be able to go there and work and get training mm. for work and, and things of that nature as well. That's really awesome. So you had a, a really then a po- really positive experience at school. For the, for the most part, um, go, to go back to that again, there were times, you know, even in the school, you, you would think it wouldn't happen because you're in a school for people with disabilities. You think that the school would be all inclusive and be, you know, accepting and everything. Mm-hmm. But there were some kids in the school even that would, you know, be bullied and be, oh. you know, including myself, be bullied and be made fun of and and think of that nature as well, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. So you didn't really escape. <laughs> no. And I didn't, I didn't even escape in the outside world either. You know, even in the outside world, I would get teased and make fun of, I'd get stared at and pointed at and you know, get called names like monster and freak. Oh, wow. And even as an adult, you know, there are times that, you know, I'll be on, you know, dating sites or I'll be on different sites and whatnot. And, you know, people, you know, make fun of me or call me names and what and think of that nature as well. So how did you learn how to cope with that? I, well, I mean, I, I still, I mean, you don't, I mean, you cope with it, but I don't think you always, you don't always get over it either. Sure, for sure. Absolutely. But I started to realize that, you know, I kept, obviously I kept the Christ at the age of 13, you know, because I grew up, I grew up in the church, the church, the church environment, the people in the church and the church environment for the most part, you know, they loved me, they loved me, they cared for me, they accepted me as you know one of their own you mean like in in your neighborhood well no i'm saying in, in the church that i went in the to. church i see oh yeah yeah, in, yeah. In the church that i went to that's awesome so yeah. you kind of grew up at home and in the church right you were you were the community baby <laughs> i was i was a community baby <laughs> that's awesome how big was the church was it near your home it was. It was only a couple blocks from my home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, growing up in the church, it helped me to, you know, realize, and especially as I got older, when I was younger, you don't you don't really think about that stuff. You don't really understand that stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I started to realize, you know, who what my identity. I started to realize, you know, who I was and, you know, you know, you, you, I, I asked the question, you know, at times, you know, you know, why, you know, mm-hmm. why would, why do I have to go through these difficulties? Why, why do I have to, why do I have to live with a disability called Aplet syndrome? Mm-hmm. But, you know, God helped me to realize that he created this, he created me this way for a reason and a purpose that he created me as his as his masterpiece. Wow. So what age were you when you kind of started to 
think about it that way. I was probably, you know, in my mid to late teens. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. So you started to have like a really a sense of calling that young. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And even in my even my late teens again, 19, early 20, going back to the cooks, I was, you know, started going to the youth group and started to interact with them, started to feel accepted by them. Uh-huh. I went on the youth rallies. I went to the yeah. youth you know, youth group trips, I went on the, the conventions and everything. And I started to wonder, you know, as we all do when we get older, we start to think, you know, what's going to be my job? What's going to be right, you know, right. my career? Uh-huh. And, you know, I started to think about, you know, could it be, you know, going back to the hospital and being, you know, being some type of nurse? Uh-huh. Or, or going, you know, being in the goat, you know, some wild thing, that, you know, doing doing something with the Coast Guard at some point. Oh, cool. Then, but then I started to think about why not, you know, become a youth minister. You, I liked, you know, and I still like, you know, speaking to the youth and encouraging the youth, encouraging people mm-hmm. and just, you know, inspiring them about, you know, for their lives and about what, you know, what they have had to deal with and whatnot. That's awesome. And and I started to think about that and that, you know, something that stood up in my heart. And I even had this one, this one youth leader that I was a part of with the youth group. And he said to me, Dorothy, I see you traveling around the country, you know, sharing your story of what God has done in your life. Wow. And at that time, I was like, yeah, okay, thank you very much. You know, you, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just brush those, those things off. You, you know, at that, you know, sometimes you, you don't think about that, you know. Right. You're not you re- know, ready to receive it yet. Yeah, exactly. You're not, re- you're not really ready to rece- receive it. And so, you know, I was like, okay, that's nice. Thank you very much. And you know, so when I started to get ready to graduate college, I had to have a meeting to not determine what I would do afterwards, as mm-hmm. to so much as to what would I do? You know, what where, where do I see myself going? There's a lot of the students that I went to school with were not always able to go on to college. Mm. Sometimes they went on to training schools or they went on to, uh, some of them went on to college or some of them went on to, you know, live in a group home. Right, right, right. Different things of that nature. And so my mom was there. My, my parents, you know, for all of my life, they, you know, allowed me to figure out for myself what and what, and what I was what I was able to do and what I was not able to do. Hmm. And, you know, one of my, uh, one of my life things that I started to use, especially in the last couple of years, was can't is not in my vocabulary. That's awesome. Because, you know, and, you know, flipping for the tinker, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now that's talking about in, you know, 
within the will of God and within what God has for us, you know, for mm-hmm. our lives. Right. So at this meeting, my mom was there and I was there. And, you know, we were talking and these people were at this meeting. It was almost like an IEP meeting. And they asked me, or they asked the high school history teacher who was also there. Okay. Do you think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college? Uh-huh. And he said, no, I don't think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college. Oh, wow. I don't think he has the ability to make it in college. Mm-hmm. And then they asked me, and I said, yeah, I think I can make it. That's awesome. Not realizing what I was getting myself into. Right, know? that's true. But you know what? How cool is it, though, that to have an adult speak that over you, sometimes it can be so discouraging. I mean, it says something about you and probably about your parents that you thought, why not try it, right? Right, exactly. And my mom was then, she said, well, if he thinks that he can do it, he will. That's awesome. So I started to attend uh, Queensboro Community College in my hometown to get a liberal arts degree. And for a couple of weeks in that college, it was difficult for me. Mm. I was going, I went to a school where I knew everybody by name, you know, most of the students by name. Yeah. And, you know, a couple hundred students, you know, maybe about a hundred teachers in that school. Yeah. Going to a school where there's, you know, 2,000 students. Wow. Several hundred, you know, several hundred, you know, teachers, not knowing anybody in that school at all. Wow. And and also, up, you don't, there's no IEPs in college, you know, like, right. just got to sink or swim. Well, th- thankfully, they did have a, they did have a, a department in that, in that college for people with learning disabilities. Oh, okay, cool. So I did, I was able to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, walking out the first day of of college, walking out to my, to the car with my, to my dad and saying, dad, I had to take a, a test on the first get, on the first day of college. Jeez. <laughs> what and did he say? <laughs> I honestly, I don't really remember. He probably could have laughed at me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the first couple of weeks were difficult for me, you know. I and, bet. I, and I remember, you know, even my mom having a discussion with her about, you know, what should I do? You know, mm-hmm. should I quit? You know, should I look into something else? Should mm-hmm. I, you know, just give up? And she said something to the effect that give it a few more weeks and see what happens. And I remember sitting, sitting in, in a service. And hearing about the about the secular colleges that had uh, Chi Alpha Christian group. Oh. And I went to the place where they had, you know, information about the, you know, club on campus and whatnot. Hmm. And I realized that they had, you know, a couple of different Christian clubs on the on the campus. Oh, cool. And I went to the Christian club and from the first time I went there till four years later when I graduated, I mean, there were still times it was difficult and still times that were hard. 
but that club was the club that, you know, kept me together, that kept me encouraged to stay the, you know, stay the course, stay the race, to not give up on what it was that God had for me in my life. Wow, that is so awesome. And to this day, I'm still, you know, we talked about earlier about not knowing anybody from elementary school, but in college, there's still this one guy, at least, in that in that community college that I'm still in touch with to this day. Wow. Man, that's so, so encouraging. I mean, I I have teenagers, so like, and I have, you know, adult children. So, you know, definitely some you, you know, even in a normal setting, like kids have such a hard time sometimes going to college. I mean, like you said, you don't know anybody and you're in a different place and you have to, you know figure out everything on your own and all of a sudden you're you're taking on adult you know decisions and all that stuff I mean it's hard enough but to be you know dealing with your disabilities as well I mean that's pretty awesome and so cool that they came around you and and supported you right and even after that you know I still felt like there was a calling on my life to do ministry and Mm -hmm. So after that, I started to attend, um, as I said earlier, the University of Valley Forks. And that's a Christian? Is that a Bible college? It's a Christian Bible college in in Pennsylvania. And I started to attend there. And um, one of the the same guys that I met at the community college was also at the Bible college as well. Oh, oh. He had been there, you know, a couple of years already. When I when I started there, so at least there was, at least I think there were a couple of people that I knew there uh-huh. um, already on the campus that I had already knew before I started there. You know, so at least I knew a couple of people. Yeah, but even it was almost like the same environment. You know, that I had grown up in the church where they accepted me and they loved me and they cared for me. It That's was the awesome. same type of environment, you know, in, in the school as well, you know, uh-huh. nobody picked, I mean, well, I can't say nobody picked them, because there were, there were people that will plank, you know, do the silly plank and right, silly, yeah. silly things that, that college guys do, right? but there was like no, no name calling, That's you know, awesome. at least to bully me or to harass me or anything, any type of that nature. That's awesome. One of the hardest things that I had to deal with in Bible college was in 2002, where I was going up the steps to one of the buildings and I fell and I broke my arm. Oh, wow. And for three days, I didn't realize that I had fallen and broken my arm. Oh, because wow. One of my good friends had said to me, You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And Stood that me believed them, uh-huh. and apparently I hadn't. I don't know if they're, they're. I mean, today I I would probably know because, but I guess back then, um, I didn't. I I I don't know if there was like just no pain in my arm, or you know whatnot. But somehow <laughs> I was able to deal with it for three days until Jeez, yeah. um, until like that Monday when I woke up and my my you know. My elbow was falling to twice the size of my arm. Oh and I, wow! I don't think this is normal. And they took—they finally took me to the hospital. And they're like, 
Yeah, we're not gonna have to, you know, put a pin in your arm. Oh, they had to put a pin in it. Yeah, they had to operate, operate on me. You know, put me to sleep and operate and put, you know, put a pin in my arm. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you didn't. You, you know, you didn't know it was broken. Although we had the same thing with one of our kids. I mean, sometimes it happens. You know, that you, people are so resilient. You just don't even yeah. realize how bad it is. Right, but at the same time. I got to notice that my mom had had a stroke while she was home. Oh, wow. My mom and my dad came, you know, to visit me and to be there for me when I, when I, got, when I got the operation. Three months later, on December 7, 2002, I got the call. I was trying to get a hold of my mom. You know, my mom and I were very close. I always mm. talked to her, you know, Probably even a couple times a day on the phone. That's awesome. And, you know, I was trying to get a hold of her on that day. And I couldn't get a hold of her. You know, wasn't able to get a hold of her on that day. So as night came, I was like, there's something wrong. You know, something going on here. And I finally got a call from my sister. And she told me that my mom had passed away. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, wow, that would be so hard. But, you know, we talk about resilience and we talk about perseverance. And even after the funeral and everything, I went home and, you know, was part of that. I came back that same month and I finished my classes and I finished my finals and everything. And I continued on with my education because I knew that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to quit. I knew that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to to give up. Oh, wow. And, you know, on May 5th, 2005, 28 years after I was born, nine years after being told, you know, I wouldn't make it in college, um, 68 operations, you know, throughout my lifetime, I was able to cross, cross the stage to received my bachelor's art degree in youth ministry. Wow, that's so awesome. Oh my gosh. Man, and it took what, like nine years, you said? Yeah, nine years. Wow, that is perseverance. <laughs> and and the interesting thing about that is before I even went on to college, I had a, you know, I had asked my mom, I was like, Mom, how long do you think it'll take me to finish college? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't care if it takes you 10 years as long as you finish. <laughs> so, whether, so whether it was just a, you know, coincidence or a, you know, just a lucky guess. Right, right. <laughs> no, she wasn't that far off. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So what did you do then, though? Because sometimes, you know, you're like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done, you know, and you finally get to the finish line. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to, like, live, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I went on, you know, several interviews to, you know, for youth ministry positions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing ever opened up. You know, nothing ever, you know, I went on the interview, but nothing went past the first part of the interview process. Mm-hmm. And I even had this one pastor tell me, hey, we're not going to look at your disability, you know, we'll uh-huh. just look at your resume and, you know, 
if you know if we're indirect type you know type of thing we'll we'll give you a call and we'll let you know mm-hmm. but even that you know never opened up and so I went home you know was living with my dad I got a job at Target okay in my in my neighborhood I even went back and looked at my at my high school for a few months in the in the tech um in the tech um department Oh, um, really? Like, working, you know, working on the computers, uh-huh. making sure the computers were up and running and everything. After that, after that faded out, I went to work at Target. Uh-huh. And were you so, discouraged? Were you discouraged? No, not not really. I I just believed that something was gonna, you know, open up at some point, That's and awesome. I started to attend at a different church when I got home because I didn't feel like I was getting the encouragement and getting the um, help from, mm-hmm. you know, from my church where I was attending, you know, all my life. Mm-hmm. So I was going to another church because I knew at that church they were at least support me and encourage me and, you know, inspire me to not to give up and not to you know, feel discouraged, but to know that God has something in store for my, for my life. Well, you know, that's, that's a huge lesson. I mean, because I mean, like so impressive that you put yourself in that position, you know, like, cause we get discouraged and we don't realize sometimes that we're surrounding ourselves with the wrong people, right. Yeah. To get us where we need to go. Right. And, you know, I'll connect with you know, with my college and with my and with my two colleges that I went to, because the same guy that I met in community college and the same guy that I went to Bible college with mm-hmm. was also the youth and the associate pastor at the at the church that I started to attend. Oh, cool! That's awesome. And I also knew I also knew the associate pastor at the time, who's now the senior pastor. I knew him. Before I started going there as well. Nice. And um, so when I started to attend there, you know, they would give me ideas and give me suggestions on what to do, you know, for ministry and whatnot. And they they gave me an opportunity to share my story. And at an outreach event called Summerfest. Oh. And when I did that, I was still playing at the time about what, what it was that God had for me and you know I felt like God was prompting me to send this information out about who I was about me being a minister and send this out and see what would happen and that's how you know Dorsworth Ministries that got started Wow. Calling and started sending out my information in, in February of 2007. So you so you had like an opportunity to speak and you took advantage of that and then like kind of like realized, oh, like this could be what I do. Yes. That's awesome. It's kind of cool because sometimes you don't, you know, you don't know what direction to go until you kind of just walk forward. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. So then ever since then, then you've been making connections and doing speaking? Yes. Nice. And how many states have you been in? 
I probably want to say about 20. Wow, that's awesome. And I've been over, I think now, over 200 churches now. Wow. So, and so do you, um, do you travel around in like airplanes and stuff? Like how does it I've work? Done, I've done airplanes, but it was mostly cars, but I've done airplanes as well. That's awesome. I actually got a trip in two months. Um, I'm going uh, on a trip to Michigan. Going to be speaking over the weekend in, in Michigan. Nice. That's so cool. So what are some of the feedback people have given you that have heard you speak? Yeah, they're, you know, they're very encouraged by it. You know, they're very encouraged, very inspired. And, you know, very, you know, they're like, hey, you know, that's, a, you know, that's great what you do and, what you know, what you have had have had to overcome in your life. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you like a few little personal questions. So your, your hands are not fused anymore, right? No, they're separated. So that, they just that, did that with surgery? Yes, they did that with all, they did that with all, all surgery and everything. So are you able to like, kind of just do pretty much anything you want, like drive and I know yes. you, all yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the most probably the, that's probably the, probably almost the number one question that I get, especially in my especially when I go to different places to speak. Uh-huh. They're like, "How did you get here?" I'm like, "I drove." And they're like, "You drive?" I'm like, "Yeah, I drive." <laughs> <laughs> well, does it affect your motor skills at all? The syndrome no. that you have? Okay. No. So, because I know that, I mean, um, you know, I had some teenagers that have eye trouble and there was a point at which, you know, I was kind of like worried that they wouldn't pass the driver's test because they have a genetic, you know, uh, eye thing going on and they were all able to, but man, to not be able to drive would definitely hamper things. When I I moved to PA, I had to get, you know, my license, you know, transferred over and everything. And I went, you know, like you're saying, I went to do, do, do the eye test and everything. Probably should have had, you know, reading glasses or something uh-huh. at the time. And I didn't have them with me. <laughs> and they wanted me to, like, see some type of spot on the, in the machine. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I couldn't see it. And they're like, it's over there, it's over there. I'm like, I don't see it. I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to fail this stupid thing. Oh, I know. I know. I know that feeling. So, but you passed. I passed. Yeah, I think they let me pass, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you already had your license from New York, right? I did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So in terms of just like getting around, doing things, you know, obviously you live on your own and all that stuff. It's it's fine. Nobody well, my, well, my dad lived with me. You know, I take care of him. But Oh, okay. He, okay. He's 90 now. I take care of him. Wow, that's crazy. Man, that's pretty awesome. Do your do your sisters live nearby? No, my sister lives down. My my one sister is still alive. She's living down in North Carolina. Mm. That sounds like a fun vacation spot. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, so do you like cook and everything I else? Do. I do. I I cook. You know, I do all the all the you know fun stuff. That's awesome. What's your favorite thing to cook? I like to cook hamburgers. Yes. 
My man. I might, I might, I might do that again tonight. Okay. Nice. That's on our menu for this week as well. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I like that. I like, you know, I mean, they're not, I mean, I don't usually, I can sometimes, but I haven't done them in a while, but I, I like to cook ribs. Really? Yeah. To put them in the, um, in the crock pot. Uh-huh. That's awesome. You can come to my house and cook <laughs> any day. You just say the word. <laughs> 20 years of cooking. I'm ready for a break. <laughs> well, Dorsey, you also have your own podcast. I do. I have my own podcast called the Dorsey Wolf Show, which is available on you know all podcasting streams and everything. So on your podcast, what I'm, I mean, I actually got to be interviewed on your podcast, which was really cool. But besides me, what do you know? Who do you normally interview on your podcast? I do a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, um, people, you know, a couple of months I'll be doing a, a football coach. Um, in a couple of weeks, um, there'll be a um, offensive tackle from nice. the uh, for, um, a retired offensive tackle from the NFL. He'll be, cool. he'll be on my show. And it's just, you know, it's a inspirational show. Sometimes there's stories that, you know, just break your heart and just, you know, you know, break your heart and like, man, I can't believe that you, you know, you had to go through that. Yeah. But, it, but it's, you know, at the same time, it's inspirational, you know. Because of how they come out on the other side. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, we totally appreciate you sharing your story. Um, Absolutely. And I I also have my own book as well. Oh, you do? I didn't even know. Yeah, I got my own book. It was was um, re-edited and redistributed in August of, um, yeah, in August of 2020. Okay. Brand new book. You can get it on my website at dorsuosministries.com. Nice. Or if you want to contact me at uh, dorsu.ros on Instagram and even find me on on Facebook as well. What's the name of your book? Uh, Overcomer. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, yeah, everybody makes you check that out. You said it's dorsi.ros on Instagram? On Instagram, yes. And dorsirossministries.com. Right. And Dorsey Ross on Facebook. Is that right? Dorsey Ross on Facebook, correct. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, um, everyone check that out and uh, make sure you connect with Dorsey. And if anybody has an opportunity for him to speak, let him know because he's got an amazing story. So thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you for having me. And I I can't wait to see you speak more and inspire more people. Absolutely, definitely. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what an incredible story, and I've just enjoyed so much getting to know Dorsey, and I hope that if you enjoyed this, you will make sure you follow and subscribe the podcast, and also share this episode with a friend that you think that would encourage them. I know that there's a lot of parents who have been in similar situations, and I hope that this would um, really encourage someone today, so pass that along. And uh, don't forget, uh, if you're listening to this before March 1st of 2022, we are doing a challenge. It's a 21-day new habit challenge. It's offline, so we're going to do it in a text group. 
and uh, through some Zoom calls if you sign up for that part of it. So go to imaginemom.com slash challenge to sign up and to see all the details. So I can't wait for you guys to jump in this with me. I know I need it. So I know someone else out there needs it too. So let's, let's make some new habits together. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.